Well, good morning, Redemption Red Deer. My name is Dave Meisner. I'm one of the elders here at Redemption Red Deer Church. Uh, don't worry, Pastor Chris will be back, Lord willing, uh, next week. Again, if you could open your Bibles to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. We're in the Old Testament this morning, which is exciting. And we're talking about godly leadership. And this is the title of our message today, Godly Leadership. This passage of Scripture is near and dear to the heart of the Redemption Elder team. We love all of Scripture, of course, but this story is pretty cool. We especially love verse 12, where it says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I would say that's our current elder theme verse. I cannot count the amount of times we have already prayed in the short history of our church, Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. If the other team were ever to get matching scriptural tattoos, which may be on the agenda, uh, Rob, uh, this would potentially be it. Uh, We love this story. And I hope and trust as I read through it, as I preach through it this morning, you'll hear the heart of your Redemption Elder team. And the big picture idea this morning is leadership. I believe this passage has much to teach us about godly leadership. You know, we'll say this, I want to become a better leader. And we need uh, more leaders here at Redemption Red Deer. And before you check out this morning and say, Dave, I'm, I'm not a leader. I have no interest in leading. Well, please stay with me this morning. I believe and trust that God has something for each of us as we go through his word this morning. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I'm going to read through uh, verses 1 to 23. If you could stand with me for the reading of God's word. If you are able to stand, please stand with me. So starting in verse 1, it says, After this, this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom. From beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, Engedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction, you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children, 
And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Metaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established." Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord, his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. So they were routed. For the men of Ammon, Moab, and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. And before I get any further this morning, I'd just like to pause and pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that as we uh, read your word, as we preach your word, I pray, Father, that you would bless our time. Father, we want to hear from you. Would you meet with us this morning? You are worthy of all our highest praises, and I pray that even now that you would be with us and that we would um, be blessed for being here. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. That's quite a passage. And just a little background to help us understand the text a little bit better this morning. I've chosen a few things to go over. First and Second Chronicles are history books. The style that they're written in is considered or called uh, historical narrative. First and Second Chronicles covers about 500 years of history of the nations of Israel and the people of Judah. Much of Chronicles parallels 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings, but emphasizes different stories and from a slightly different perspective. And one of the main themes of Chronicles is the establishment of monarchy. You know, the, the main character in 1 and 2 Chronicles is King David, a primary focus being God's covenant relationship with David. You know, God promises to bless his family line and raise up after him an offspring, establishing his throne forever. Of course, this is pointing to Jesus from 1 Chronicles chapter 17. And after David, it was his son Solomon who became king, and it was Solomon who built the temple in Jerusalem. And the building of the temple is also a significant part and theme of First and Second Chronicles. And after Solomon came Scorpion King Rehoboam, which is a nickname I gave him. If you know the story, you would get that. 
As king and leader, Rehoboam did not set his heart to seek the Lord. He listened to the wrong people, and the consequences were severe. A united Israel was divided into two, the people of Judah and the people of Israel. On the screen for you, uh, we can put a map. It's a little bit small, but you can see Israel to the north, Judah to the south, and to the east there, there's Ammon, Moab, and south is the Munites. Not 100% sure where they're from exactly, but that's where they're thought to be from. Our passage today takes place in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So after Rehoboam as king of Judah came Abijah and then Asa. I have no idea if I'm saying these names right, but I'm saying them with confidence. So our main character this morning uh, comes after Asa. Uh, It's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's Jehoshaphat. King David was Jehoshaphat's great, great, great grandfather. And Jehoshaphat was king in Jerusalem, and uh, he was king of Judah for 25 years. Now, who is Jehoshaphat? What do we know about him? Well, if you turn a page over in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, in verse 3, it says this, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. This is good. Jehoshaphat seems like a good guy. He was a good king. Another example of him being a good king, well, in our text this morning, verse 1 starts off with, after this. Well, after what? In chapter 19 of 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat, whose name means Yahweh judges, brought the people back to God. There was revival in Judah, and he also, also instituted judicial reform regarding both religious and civil matters. He appointed judges of integrity and impartiality who are exhorted to perform their work in the fear of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was king, and he was calling and appointing godly men to provide godly leadership and judgment in their communities and within the temple, doing this in the fear of the Lord. I'll say that again. A godly leader appointing godly men to do good work in the fear of the Lord. This is a good idea. Raise your hand if we think we could use something like that in our day. Right? Yeah, thank you. Jehoshaphat walked in the ways of the Lord. He was courageous in the ways of the Lord, and he feared the Lord. Do you fear the Lord? Do you know what that means? You know, fearing the Lord doesn't mean you're scared of God, like you would be scared of a clown or a spider. Fearing the Lord means reverence. You know who God is, and you respect his authority. Revering God means you understand that he is holy, holy, holy. You know, the opposite of reverence is blasphemy. Blasphemous people have no respect for God. They are apathetic to his ways. They're even opposed to him and his values. Unfortunately, this is what we see most often in our day. But friends, we need to fear the Lord. We are in desperate need of this type of leadership in our time. Yes, we need it judicially and politically, just like in Jehoshaphat's day. But I'm also thinking about leadership within our church within the church, within our homes. I heard this from a friend recently. The first and most important person you need to lead is yourself. 
We need to lead ourselves in the ways of the Lord, becoming men and women of character who fear the Lord. And maybe today is a good day for us to look in the mirror. Do we fear the Lord? Are we leading ourselves and our families with reverence? The elders of Redemption Red Deer certainly feel the weight of this high calling. And so leadership is the focus today, and Jehoshaphat our example. If you're taking notes this morning, the first point is this. Godly leadership leads through trial. Look down with me at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 20. I'll read them here. It says, After this, and remember this is revival and judicial reform, after that, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men and came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. You see, the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Munites, they're enemies of Judah. These are foreign nations who worship pagan gods. And they are coming against Jehoshaphat. These foreign nations are known to be ruthless in battle. This coalition of enemy nations has come together to attack the kingdom of Judah. And to be clear, they're not here for trade or diplomatic relations. They are coming uh, to wipe them out. They are coming to take their land and their possessions. And En Gedi is only about 80 kilometers away from Jerusalem. And notice this, it's a great multitude, the kingdom of Judah is outnumbered. This is bad news. Remember, Jehoshaphat, a good king, he's doing a bunch of great things in Judah, including judicial reform, and now this is happening. You know, we can often fall into the trap of thinking or believing that when we do good, God will bless us. But this isn't always the case. You know, proper theology leaves room for the reality of trials to say that again. Proper theology leaves room for the reality of trials. Merriam-Webster defines a trial as a test of faith, patience, or stamina through the subjection to suffering or temptation. You know, a trial is a hard thing that you or I have to go through that isn't our fault. It's not a consequence of sin. That would be different. A trial can be frustrating because it's often out of our control. It's something you have to go through but godly leadership leads through trials. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And it's important for us to remember, as the people of God, that trials should be expected. You know, as Christians, we're going to have enemies. We're going to have spiritual enemies, as Ephesians 6 talks about. Or we're going to have physical enemies, like what Jehoshaphat is facing in our text today. You know, our enemies in our modern times, they don't typically attack us with swords, but they can be ruthless nonetheless. Again, we should be expecting trials. We as Christians basically have a Holy Spirit target on us. It reminds me of this Far Side cartoon. The follower of Christ, it's like we have a born-again birthmark on our chest. Like how? Listen to these verses, 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 2 Timothy 3, 12. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And this Jesus teaching, John 15, 18, says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. 
You know, as our world pushes further and further into moral decay and depravity, we as Christians, along with our Christian morals and values, are becoming more and more untenable for the culture we live in. We become the target. We are the minority. And we are as offensive to our culture today as the culture is becoming more and more offensive to us. If we continue to live godly lives, living as Christians in our communities, we need to be expecting enemies and trials that will test our faith, patience, and stamina. And I'll tell you this, as Redemption Red Deer boldly proclaims the gospel, salvation through Christ alone, by grace alone, by faith alone, and as we continue to submit ourselves fully to the authority of Scripture, as we sing it, as we preach it to the glory of God, which we intend to do, and by God's grace we will do, There will be enemies who come to attack us. This would be normal. (laughs) Notice they are coming against you, Jehoshaphat, but notice how did Jehoshaphat react? You see, look down uh, with me at verse 3. This is key for us. It says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Our second point is this this morning. Godly leaders lead with humility. You see, Jehoshaphat was afraid. He admitted it. You know, when you're scared or concerned about something, do you admit it? Do you let others know? Most people, when they're afraid, they don't admit it. But fear is a powerfully, uh, a tremendously powerful emotion. And I'm not talking about fearing the Lord in this instance. Rather, I'm talking about fear that leads us to act and react irrationally. Whether Whether it's a real threat or not, we can have moments when we are afraid the threat of an enemy, the threat of losing your job, the threat of losing your health or your possessions, the threat of losing a golf ball out of bounds. You see, fear is one of the most powerful emotions we can experience. We all go through it. The question is, how do we handle it? Fear, if not handled properly, can lead us to make emotional, selfish, and foolish decisions. Uh, One example, you've probably heard this before, the fight-or-flight approach A foolish leader might look at the situation Jehoshaphat is in and choose the fight approach, conflict, bring it on. I'll handle this. Thus potentially leading his people out to get slaughtered. A faithless leader might hear about the multitude approaching, look at the situation and choose the flight approach. Self-preservation, I'm out of here. How can I avoid this conflict? How can we lay down and submit to the enemy? (coughs) Some of you are here this morning and your life is driven by fear. Fear of man, fear of loss, fear of the unknown, fear of the future. To compensate, you've become a workaholic. You've become overly protective. You've become aggressive or defensive. How are you and I handling fear? Well, how did Jehoshaphat handle it? Verse 3, he set his face to seek the Lord. This is good. This is a great example for us. This is a healthy way to deal with fear. And what does it mean to seek the Lord? Seeking the Lord means you're looking to Him in prayer. Seeking the Lord means you're reading His Word. Seeking the Lord means you're looking to be in His presence, looking to be with His people, seeking godly counsel. Seeking the Lord means you're looking to do His will. Seeking the Lord is an act of humility. Yes, there are risks in life and there are enemies out there, but we can trust the Lord. I love how Jehoshaphat was not looking to do this alone, 
Back to verse 3 and verse 4, it says, He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. You see, Jehoshaphat was honest about the situation to the people. He then promotes faith-based actions, praying, fasting, seeking the Lord together. You see, this is humble, godly leadership. No one is excluded from the call to come to Jerusalem. They all understood what was at stake. War was coming. And what were they at the temple to do? They were there to pray. Biblical humility leads to prayer. It's admitting to God that you need him. In verses 5 to 12, Jehoshaphat publicly prays for the people in the situation they're in. It's so good. I've written down for you, it'll be on the screen, seven lessons on prayer we can learn from Jehoshaphat's public prayer. The first lesson from verse 3, Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. I just talked about this, but when you're scared, pray, seek the Lord. Lesson 2, also from verse 3, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. The lesson is this, fasting and prayer go together. Biblical fasting is the discipline of abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. You, is, you abstain from the physical to focus on the spiritual. Most Christians do not fast, but we should. I need to fast more. This is something I'm looking to grow in. Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah prayed and fasted because of a trial that was at their door. Lesson 3 from verse 4, it says, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. All the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. The lesson is this, don't pray alone when going through a trial. We aren't meant to walk the Christian walk in isolation. Praying with other believers, especially when going through a hard time, is powerful. Here at Redemption Red Deer, we have regular prayer meetings focused on seeking the Lord together. Our time of prayer is so important. We pray for our city, we pray for our church, we pray for our country, we pray for our needs individually. As elders, our time of praying together is precious. It's the most important thing we do. It's how we start every meeting. It's how we end every meeting. And our small groups, every week we pray together, often men with men, women with women. These are amazing times of fellowship together. Galatians 6.2 tells us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, if you're burdened with something, you don't have to go it alone. Have a brother or sister in the Lord pray with you. Lesson 4 from verses 5 and 6 where it says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. The lesson is this, know who you are praying to. See, Jehoshaphat knows the Lord and understands God as creator, all-powerful and sovereign. He understands that God is in control of all things. And this is how we ought to pray. When we understand who we are praying to, we will pray with boldness and confidence as Jehoshaphat did. Lesson 5 from verses 7 to 9, I'll read verse 7 for you. It says, And do, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? The lesson is this, pray the word, know the scriptures. In verses 7 to 9, Jehoshaphat is praying from Scripture. He's citing Genesis and Joshua. He's also praying in the style reflected in Psalms 44 and 74, Psalms of Lament. He's also very much quoting his great-great-grandfather Solomon in his prayer at the dedication of the temple, where he is standing even right now as he prays. 
Jehoshaphat was letting Scripture guide his prayer. He's praying as a man who's been in the Word, reading what it says, quoting it naturally in prayer. Lesson 6 from verse 12. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. The lesson is this, pray with humility. You see, this is such an amazing statement. It's a true statement, but as a leader, especially in front of your people who have gathered together to seek the Lord, it takes great humility to say this out loud. You know, saying, I don't know is hard. This is so foreign to the way the world works. The world exalts those who proclaim surety. We tend to listen and gravitate to leaders who say, I know what to do. I know what's going to happen. I have the answers. But this is not always the way of a humble and godly leader. Sometimes not knowing what to do or say is fine. Admitting that to God is healthy. And the seventh lesson on prayer from Jehoshaphat at the end of verse 12, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The lesson is this, pray with faith. On one hand, Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do, but he knew who to go to. Jehoshaphat was powerless against the enemy coming against him, but he was looking to the Lord. He was pointing people away from himself as the problem solver, and he was pointing them to the God of the universe. So good. But our eyes are on you. He was looking to the Lord. A question for you this morning, when you're going through something difficult, where are you looking? Maybe you're going through something right now. Are your eyes focused on the problem? Are your problems getting bigger and bigger as you stare at them and stew on them? We need to stop staring at the problem and set your face to seek the Lord. Lay your burdens down at the foot of the cross. Are your eyes focused on yourself? Are you focused on your shortcomings and your lack of ability? Or are you focused on figuring out what you need to do and depending upon your own wisdom and intellect? We need to stop looking to fix everything by ourselves and look to the Lord. We need to trust Him in His ways. Are your eyes constantly focused on a screen? Are we constantly asking Google what to do? You know, we have so much power and information at our fingertips, but there's a large gap between information and true godly wisdom. We need, like Jehoshaphat, to be focusing on the Lord. We are to be praying and reading God's Word, connecting with other believers, seeking godly counsel, and then taking wise steps of faith, trusting in Him for the solution. We love that. We are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Such a great verse. This is leading with humility. But our third point this morning is this. Godly leaders lead by listening and knowing the word of God. Second Chronicles 20, look down at verse 14 with me. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, son of Metaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. You see, Jahaziel was a full-time worship leader at the temple. And he was here serving as per usual, when the Spirit came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon, this is referring to the Holy Spirit, it came upon is often how it is described in the Old Testament when someone is prophesying or speaking a word of the Lord. You see, this was a powerful and unique moment. But Jahaziel was the, he was the real deal. 
Notice his family lineage. This wasn't some random stranger showing up off the street and shouting, I have a word from the Lord. No, he was a faithful servant, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. What does that mean? In 1 Chronicles 25, we read about Asaph and his sons, his family. They had been set apart by King David for temple service. Asaph was one of the family groups ordained by King David to prophesy with musical instruments. Asaph wrote songs that became psalms. Asaph is credited in the titles of Psalm 50, Psalm 73 to 83. These songs were prompted or guided by the Spirit of God. Asaph is Jahaziel's great-great-great-grandfather, and he's here uh, serving, praying, and leading worship at the temple, doing the ministry work that the Lord had called him and his family to do, just doing his day job, serving the Lord. He was faithful in what God had called him to do, and then God used him powerfully to speak an encouraging word from the Lord to the king and to the people of Judah. Just a reminder to us, you never know how God may use you as you faithfully serve him. And what did the Lord say to them? Look down at verse 15. It says, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not, verse 17, You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. If you know your Bible, Jehaziel's message may sound familiar. Remember, Moses was leading the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and they were stuck at the edge of the Red Sea. The Egyptian army was coming to slaughter them on one side, and they had the sea on the other. It was a big deal. The people of Israel were appropriately concerned. But listen to Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, or whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. You see, similar situation, a great horde coming against them. Seemingly certain death awaits the people of God. But God, in his kindness and his mercy, hears the prayers of people and makes a way out for them. In the same way, God hears the prayer of Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, and he answers with a familiar message. You see, it's important to note Jahaziel's message doesn't contradict Scripture, but aligns with it. You don't need to fight. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord. What a message. Now, we're reading this story this morning through a faith-filled lens, and we know the end of the story. But Jehoshaphat doesn't know the end of the story at this point. Let's try and put ourselves in his shoes. Imagine if a large, a great horde, a multitude of people were coming to this spot right now to wipe us all out. And then some worship leader with his guitar in hand and cool skinny jeans tells us, sorry Josh, <laughs> he tells us, go towards the oncoming army. Don't fight them. Don't do anything. See, I'm not sure I would have the faith to react as Jehoshaphat does. But notice his reaction to the word from the Lord in verse 18. It says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. You see, this is humility, and this is listening to the word of the Lord. This is faith. Jehoshaphat knew that this was an answer from God. He had prayed, and then he was listening to God for an answer. 
This is great leadership. And praise and worship is the right response. From the king to the kids, all of Judah is either on their face or they're on their feet singing to the Lord. A posture of reverence, adoration, worship. And notice how they are singing. They're praising with a very loud voice. I love that. We need more of that. I sing too quietly. Anyone else here sing too quietly? <clears throat> Let's take this, as a, this verse as an encouragement to, for all of us to go for it, to turn up the volume. I think God would be pleased. He is worthy of our loudest praises. Amen. So leadership is leading through trial. It's leading with humility. It's leading by listening and knowing the word of God. The fourth point is this. Godly leaders lead by obeying the Lord. Look down at me with uh, at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. It says, Then they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Notice they got up to go where Jahaziel had told them to go. This is a huge step of faith and courage. Remember, they don't know the end of the story like we do. They are headed directly towards the armies looking to slaughter them. And back to verse 20, it says, And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. You see, Jehoshaphat is preaching. He's not telling them to believe in themselves. This isn't a self-affirming pep talk. The encouragement is to believe in the Lord, to believe his prophets, believe in the word of God. You see, faith goes first. Faith is the first action of a godly leader. Believe in the Lord, then you will be established. Believe his prophets, then you will succeed. You've probably heard me say this before, and I'm quoting Pastor Robbie Simons, who said it long before I did. You're not led by feelings. Your feelings are terrible leaders. Feelings are followers, not leaders. It would be right or normal in this scenario to feel scared or nervous, tired or anxious. These would all be normal feelings, but what is Jehoshaphat's call to the people? It's for faith. It's to believe. We are led by our faith. We're led by the truth of God's word. There is a God. We prayed. He answered us. He will go before us. The battle is his. He will win. We just stand firm. He is with us. We can trust him. That is faith. We need to believe that. Remember this, no matter what you feel, it's the truth that matters. And back to verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Notice he put the choir before the army. They have no intention of fighting. They are obeying the word of the Lord. They are, the song they're singing is from Psalm 136. We're going to sing a version of that in response today. But Psalm 136 is purposefully repetitive, focusing on thankfulness to the Lord and God's steadfast love towards the people of Israel. It's a song to remind people of how God as our creator, he brought them out of Egypt, he led them through the wilderness, and he gives them victory. Verse 22 and it says, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. And then verse 23 at the end, it says, they all helped to destroy one another. Notice it was when, when they began to sing and praise the Lord 
uh, when he, is when he sent, a, sent an ambush. It's not before they got there. It wasn't 20 minutes after their worship set, as soon as they began. When we sing and praise, not only is God glorified and pleased with our singing, but there's also power in the faith declared by the words of the songs we sing. I know Josh and the worship teams work very hard here at Redemption to choose songs that align with the truth of God's word. Our singing is a declaration to the enemy. We know you are there, but we trust in the Lord. You want to take us out, but God is on our side. This is powerful. To me, it's amazing how the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir all just fight and take out each other. Like, how does this happen? Talk about scoring on your own goal. Of course, the enemy army is destroying one another. It's a miracle of God. He set the ambush. He led them to wipe out each other. And it's for God's glory. It's to him be the glory for this victory. So in conclusion this morning, Jehoshaphat led through difficulty, he led through trials, he led with humility, he led by knowing and listening to the word of God, and he led by being obedient. And he saw the Lord do an awesome work, a great victory in battle. This is our example of godly leadership this morning. Now I understand that some of you may be here listening to me and thinking, Dave, this is great information on leadership but I can't lead like Jehoshaphat. He sounds amazing. Well, I agree, but don't lose hope. One of the things I love most about this story in 2 Chronicles 20 as I researched and prepared for this message is the fact that Jehoshaphat was far from perfect. We aren't perfect, just forgiven. Amen? This was Jehoshaphat's testimony too. In 2 Chronicles chapter 18, it tells the story of how Jehoshaphat aligned himself with the evil king Ahab of Israel. Remember him and Elijah going to battle, Baal worship, just a few weeks ago when Chris was preaching? Ahab convinced Jehoshaphat to go to battle. He initiate, to initiate a fight that wasn't his, Jehoshaphat did not listen to the prophet Micaiah. He went out to battle. He followed a foolish plan to deceive the enemy. It didn't work, and he almost got killed if it wasn't for the Lord's help. You see, in this instance, Jehoshaphat was not humble. He was not prayerful. He did not listen to the word. And the actions he took were wrong and foolish. In 2 Chronicles chapter 19, Jehoshaphat was called out. He was called to repentance for his foolish ways. And by God's grace, Jehoshaphat listened to Jehu the seer, and he changed his ways, thus leading to the scripture we've read today. You see, you do not need to be a perfect person. You can learn to lead like Jehoshaphat did. There's hope for us. But maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling. Maybe you're currently under attack. The enemy is close and you feel stuck. You don't feel like a leader. You feel frustrated and unworthy. And just so you are aware, I have been there. I get it. But I don't want you to go away this morning discouraged and without hope if that's where you are at. Full disclosure, it's not uncommon for me to often feel overwhelmed and defeated. On one hand, I know clearly the call of God on my life to lead my family, serve the church, and live a life of holiness. But on the other hand, I feel wholly inadequate for the job that the Lord has given me to do. I feel often more like an imposter than a leader. But I'm here to remind you and me this morning that there's hope for all of us in Jesus Christ. 
I'm standing up here preaching about leadership, but the reason I'm up here is not because I'm a spectacular leader who has it all together. No, my only hope is in Jesus. One of the main goals I have this morning, especially if you're discouraged, facing a trial or dealing with enemies, is to point you to Jesus, to encourage you to seek the Lord like Jehoshaphat did. Remember the statement, the first person we need to lead is ourselves. Well, one of the ways we can lead ourselves is by leading ourselves to the cross. You need to remind yourself of the gospel. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. There is a God. He created you. You're not a cosmic accident with no meaning and no purpose. That is not true. But because of your sin, today's another day where we deserve death and hell. It separates us from God. This is bad news, but, but Jesus Christ, he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. Today is a good day. We can trust him. He rose from the grave, defeating death and sin forever. We need to preach that to ourselves every day. That's how we lead. Jesus gave his life as a ransom so that we can be redeemed, Welcome. To redemption red deer do you believe this have you put your faith and trust in jesus is he lord of your life i pray that he is so don't leave here today without hope no matter who you are or what you've done by putting your faith and trust in jesus you can rejoice in his victory in the same way how jehoshaphat and the people of judah celebrated with joy when god gave them victory in battle you know, as an elder of Redemption Red Deer, I just want to let you know that we are so thankful for you and for this church family. We are so blessed. Our heart's desire is to lead with humility. Our heart's desire is to know and listen and remain faithful to the Word of God and to do what God has called us to do. And we would ask that you would pray for us. We have seen and we expect trials to come, but God is good. We often do not know what to do, but our eyes are on the Lord. We can trust Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for just your grace. I pray this morning, Father, that as we seek your face, pray, I pray, Father, that you would meet with us, that we would worship you. I thank you for your steadfast love. It endures forever. You are worthy of our highest praises, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.